He created the most frightening film ever made. Then, he took his unique vision of terror one step further. Now, George A. Romero takes us out of the night, beyond the dawn, and into the darkest day of horror the world has ever known. Day of the Dead. There have to be survivors in Washington. Oh, my. They have more sophisticated shelters than this one. There have to be people in those shelters who know about us, who know where we are. With no radio contact, they'll come looking for us. I said shut up! They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. Same way we were tricked into it. Promise of some reward to come. What the fuck is wrong with you people? They're dead! They're fucking dead, and you want to teach them tricks? They have to be rewarded, Captain. Why else will they do what we want them to do? I don't want them to do anything but drop Or, or, or a group of people in Jesse's around, you talk to me like I'm fucking a 15 year old. Don't do that. <laughs> well, I'm just eating pizza, my guy. Eat <laughs> all, my guy. Say no more. Not, we're fucking friends, okay? We stop. Where's the pizza right, from? Don't fucking say, don't call me my guy ever again. NYP? I don't know. There's a pizza box in the kitchen, so I just grabbed two slices. You know, you'd know if it was NYP. Is it NYP? I don't think it does. Minios? I just want to point out that Sean definitely knows where that pizza's from. He's fucking lying. I'm not lying. I'm actually telling the truth. No, how do you not know where the pizza's from? Come on. Because I never recognized the pizza box. Is it from Little Jack's Pizza Shack? It hasn't been around in 15 years. Is it Alyssa Stilatos? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Covered in barbecue sauce. <laughs> Lying, they doesn't know where the pizza's from. It's probably Little Caesars. Dude, I'll tell you, it's Little Caesars. I have no shame being that. You should. Yeah, I love two dollar pizza as well. <laughs> Me too. I love Caesars. All right, so we're here to discuss 1985's Day of the Dead, Georgia's third entry into the Dead series. And, yeah, this is a juggernaut of a zombie film, of a horror film, really, but, I Are mean... Are rolling already? No, yeah, we're rolling. Did you get all that pizza talk? Got a little bit of it, yeah. <laughs> all right, perfect. Uh, but, yeah, this is a juggernaut in the zombie world. Um, We're going to get into where it ranks amongst the best zombie films. Um, And I know we did a George ranking not too long ago anyway, but we're going to discuss where this uh, movie lives in the pantheon of uh, zombie films and horror films. But 
just to uh to kick off conversation here uh, after we're done talking about pizza my guy um <laughs> it's uh you know when was the first time you guys saw this and where did you see it in line with the other dead films did you was this did you see this one after you saw night and day before uh where did this one land for you guys initially uh i saw this one actually just how they came out pretty much i saw another living dead first i saw dawn and then day uh and day day after so i watched them chronologically um in my early teenage years you know i saw i I think the first time I ever saw Night of the Living Dead was actually on television, and that's kind of what sparked it all. And then, pretty sure me and BT uh, watched Day of the Dead for the first time. Uh, I can't remember exactly how, but maybe we rented or something like that. But yeah, I saw them chronologically. So, what about you, Sean? I, I also watched them order, and the first time I watched it was also with Brian because he's the one who brought the VHS tape over. Well, there you go. Did he... How about yourself? How about yourself? I saw this one. It was probably a, it was a it was a relatively large gap between, and I saw them in order as well. Saw Night when I was a kid, probably on television. I mean, I don't even remember a time where that where Night of the Living Dead wasn't in my orbit. But um, and I definitely remember seeing Dawn of the Dead for the first time. I was probably I was a little fuck. I mean. I was definitely, I remember this vividly, it was summertime, and I had, um, I had rented it, and I didn't rent Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off right before it, and then I watched Dawn of the Dead, I remember that vividly, because it was in August, it was before school started, and I bought, uh, I bought shoes, I bought, I bought shoes, my parents bought me Airwalks from Payless, and I was probably, I want to say, eight or nine years old. I was little. Um, Airwalks were at Payless that long ago. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. But oh. that's, I just want to say that the double feature is great. I hope you, I hope you relive that double feature every once in a while. I definitely, I, I definitely have relived that double feature a few times in my day. <laughs> that's great. What a, I mean, it they do just fit well like you watch like a fun like rambunctious teen movie and you follow up with dawn of the dead i mean dawn of the dead honestly the first time i saw it not before we dive in today to kind of just preface this when i saw dawn that read more dawn of the dead read more of a comedy to me than return of living dead did when i saw them when i was younger yeah i think i think dawn definitely has a a lot of comedic elements. I actually think it has like I was just going to mention that I feel like it has like much more than uh, than Day of the Dead does. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff in Day of the Dead, which I know we'll talk about, I feel like a lot of it comes off as humorous, but I, I was I don't think it was intended to be. If that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like some of the one-liners from Rhodes and such uh, meant to be taken very seriously, but are extremely comedic yeah and especially you know later on when you you find out how joe Pilato is in real life it it, it rings even more comedic i think uh but yeah i saw him in order and i want to say i want to say i saw day of the day i definitely saw like bits and pieces of it here and there on like random 
things, but if I remember correctly, and I'm really trying to remember this correctly, I want to say, if I'm saying this with some certainty, I want to say I saw it in like 2001 or 2002 in October, like right around Halloween time. It was like, do you know how like, uh, like Cinemax, HBO or Showtime, when they would start playing a film, that film would like play like every three days, like it would play. Like you could catch that if you that film was on, you knew it was going to be in the rotation again that week at some point. Oh yeah. So I had saw it was on, and I was like, I think it was like it was late at night, and I was just like, oh shit, I got to see when this is up. And this is like, you know, my parents had you know already had like the the DVR thing. They were like f- or on that early, early. I think like late nineties. Want to say ninety eight, ninety nine, maybe even two thousand. They got the DVR thing, so you could record shit ahead of time. This is Time Warner Digital Cable when it was first introduced. And uh, that was back when you didn't have to fucking, you didn't have to call to do a pay-per-view. It was literally two clicks, and then you had just waited 30 days to get yelled at for all the fucking movies you bought on pay-per-view. <laughs> Been there. And, uh, and I remember setting it to record and watching it and being literally like blown away and like this is my favorite zombie movie of all time this is fucking amazing because i had seen bits and pieces of it and you know like the classic shots were just i obviously was super familiar with the vhs cover and i already loved night of living dead was one of my favorite movies and dawn of the dead was like right up there too so when i was just like i gotta see like you know the third you know this george romero other george romero zombie film and to me, like, I didn't read that they were, like, together. I just thought they were just separate entries with different titles and different zombie movies. And and uh, watching it, I was blown away. And, you know, all these years later, not, not to uh, get to a point where I'm trying to, like, put a, a, a topper on how I feel about this, but I'm still blown away today by it. Like, I still have the same feelings I felt in the early 2000s, I want to say, like, you know, being 13 or 14 and watching it in full because I feel like there's those movies too, that we can, we can, all of us can relate that we, we saw the VHS cover so much and we either like saw clips of them on TV that in our minds were like, yeah, I've seen that, but you haven't really seen it. So then when you sit down and you watch it and it's not forgettable and it's not like, oh yeah, that was cool. Like you could have, you could have pretty much said the plot like of one of those movies that you caught bits and pieces of and pretty much been dead on balls accurate, but sitting down and watching it after, you know, probably a four or five year gap between first discovering Dawn of the dead, I was blown away. And I was like, this is the best zombie effects makeup I've seen in any film. This story is amazing. I love all the characters for either love or hate the characters is what, which is what you want in a film. And it, it fucking, it rooted my tooted. It fucking, it, it fucking knocked my block off, knocked my socks off, fucking put the cat in a bag, swung it over your shoulders, smacked it on the fucking ground. It was literally like, I was like, and I'm still to this day. I think it's in my eye. I'll, I'll save my, my, my big enchilada speech for the, for the very end. But yeah, it's, it's just one of those films that I think I just love the concept and we're not going to break the film down scene by scene a million podcasts fucking do that. And, uh, I think, 
I think it's cool to just roll off the cuff and just talk about the film, its characters, scenes, and just just roll free with it. Uh, if you guys are fine with that. Of course, always. Uh, 100% okay. I just like the... One, it's George's first film that was not filmed in Pittsburgh. Not all, like some of it's filmed in that area, though, right? Yes, but predominantly it 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 wasn't all filmed there. I believe it was filmed in Florida, which is where you know the military, the underground bunker thing takes place, where the whole like setting of the movie takes place, right? I don't, yeah, I know like the exterior shots where the palm trees are floating. I always thought that the underground stuff was in, in Pennsylvania, but I guess it could be right. That's something we could probably check. But I'm I'm on it. Easy yeah. chalk. Sean's on it, but, but like, it was the first movie, I guess, that, like, okay, so, I guess in, in a better way to describe it, it was, it was the first movie where, in his dead franchise, especially, where it didn't, like, it didn't, like, outwardly scream Pittsburgh, it wasn't filmed in, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to look Pittsburgh-y, you know, it was meant to look like, you know, there was, you know, you're in Florida, um, but I just love the setting of the underground bunker. There's military personnel that's pretty much like on guard of this fucking crazy wild-eyed scientist. And the scientist is trying to, you know, come up with a cure, figure out like something that has to do with this. And all the while he is like kind of taking on experiments in his own little uh you know, off the grid, uh, composition book of things he wants to do and having the, and, and this is what kills me too, is I hear so many people, I mean, Nicotero worked on this film it was the first film that Nicotero worked on. Um, right. and it, and he obviously was an actor in it too, but you know, Nicotero, obviously Greg Nicotero, uh, one of the three founders of K and B, which K and B, if you're not familiar, is Robert Kurtzman, uh, Greg Nicotero, Howard Berger, uh, special effects crew that ended up assembling in the late 80s, started off, I think, one of their first movies was Creep Show 2, and became legends in the field. And Greg Nicotero went on to be one of the main producers and the direct one of the directors of the most episodes, I think, of The Walking Dead. So with The Walking Dead, and you guys can chime in, I, w- I want to create like a little dialogue here as far as Walking Dead goes, because... I think we can all agree that of all of George's films and all of the zombie films, the closest those Walking Dead zombies look to anything in the past are the Day of the Dead zombies, correct? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. Even like a few episodes of The Walking Dead, like they legit took zombies from the Romero films. Yeah. And yeah. Them in a few episodes. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, there's obviously also, homage paid there. Yeah. Also, uh, going back to the filming locations... Uh, the outside shots were in Florida. The missile style and the uh, military stuff was in Pennsylvania. There you go. There you go. What were you saying, Eric? I was just, just going to say also like the setting of of uh, Day of the Dead and kind of the underground bunker is very. I think you see a lot of that in The Walking Dead. Um, I had a, you know The Walking Dead. I feel like if you had to pick pinpoint of any of the Romero movies. Day of the Dead is kind of the one uh, setting-wise and just the feel, I guess, a little bit that kind of gives it the same, I don't know, same textures, I guess. But now, not, that they're the, 
not that they're the same. But. Right, right. Compare like the season three with the prison to Day of the Dead. Yeah, just kind of like. Well, even the yeah. underground, like, what was in the first one? Didn't they end up with a doctor in like the underground fucking thing at the end of the first season too? Oh yeah, like they're in the CDC, some bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's, it just, it kind of, it had a, the same vibes, but, but yeah. So, I mean, this is, you, you know, this is definitely different from Dawn of the Dead and different from Night, obviously, too. You know, and we're dead center in the 80s, too. So Savini had already, you know, obviously started on with Dawn of the Dead, um, you know, really becoming prominent in George's work as far as effects and uh, and stuff goes. And he goes on to do Friday the 13th and Creepshow and The Prowler and 900 other movies. So... You know, Savini obviously leading the charge on Day of the Dead creates some of the best gags, but Savini, um, I think is really important to this film because of all those effects. And I don't think zombies look as gruesome as they do. I mean, we say this, yes, someone could have come along and, and made them as like gruesome and stuff, but this was the first movie where. I think you're like, whoa, like that's some heavy, gruesome zombie. Like when, when the one zombie's on the table and he leans up and his guts fall on the ground, like that was, that's still to this day, make your stomach churn. Yeah. You know what? I actually, I rewatched the day of the dead, um, part last night and part this morning. Um, and I, I will, that's, that's another thing of, of the three, you know, the three first, Romero flicks a night, dawn and days. I this one is is definitely, well, first off, this like uh, you said that the special effects are a masterpiece in this, but they're they're very gruesome. There is a lot of, you know, and I don't I don't want to skip right to the end, but the the last like fifteen minutes of the movie, especially like All there's out. so much that that happens, and then the the you know the movie before the ending really really kind of there's just a scene of zombies just devouring guts for, I don't know, a couple minutes, which is, you know what I mean? So I think the brutality of this one, like there's, don't get me wrong, especially in Dawn, there's some, there's some brutal stuff that happens, but I feel like they took it to another level with day. And it kind of has like that, like you said, the zombies look great. The effects are insane. And it's just, it's really gruesome. And, you know, I think it's the, the most gruesome of the three. No, yeah, it, they definitely uh, amped up the gore effects in Day of the Dead. Yeah. And, like, so, like so, I said, I agree with both you guys. Like, this is definitely the better makeup effects of all three of them. Oh, well, for sure. More than three. And that's but. you know that's a natural progression, obviously, because then we're in the '80s and there's much more innovations happening. But the cast is just as strong as the other two films, too. Yeah, the characters like really. That's another one. that's really. We got Lori. We got Lori Cardill, whose father played the reporter in the Night of the Living Dead. Chili Billy uh, Cardill. We got uh, obviously Joe Pilato as as Captain Rhodes, my favorite character in the film, and we're gonna dive into who our favorite characters are for sure. We got Terry Alexander as uh, uh, Johnny Fly. Uh, we got Galarth Conroy as uh, McDermott. Um, there's just we got Sherman uh, Sherman Howard, 
of Seinfeld fame, uh, which he was in uh, as Bub. Our, our first, like, maybe our very first ever sympathetic zombie. Uh, and maybe the first zombie we ever root at people, audiences ever rooted for in cinema ever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into all that of, uh, of the exploration of uh, the psyche and, and the mind of, of the zombie, as you would say, which really didn't get talked about before this film. And, when it comes to Romero, I mean. And we got some familiar faces, obviously, in the in the uh, Romero world. We got Tassos Tavarkas uh, in there as Torres. We got Ampla, John Amplas in there as Ted Fisher. Uh, uh, one of my favorite characters in the film, Steel, played by Gary Howard Clark, who recently passed away uh, just last year. Really uh, unfortunate to lose him at 73. Actually, the last day of the year, we lost him on New Year's Eve last year, unfortunately. But uh, Nicotero, as I said, plays Johnson, one of the soldiers. Uh, this is just uh, it, it, these are you know these aren't names, Hollywood names, but it's strong acting uh, for sure, and maybe even the strongest acting in all of his dead films, in my personal opinion, and. Back to the back to the setting as as we've kind of just been bouncing around here. I love the setting. It's dark. It's apocalyptic, without being so over the top. But the whole thing with The Walking Dead, aside from the makeup effects, is and in the setting itself. But like the characters, making the characters be more vile and just as afraid of, of the people, your peers around you that are trying to survive being more afraid of them than you are of the zombies of the walking dead. So that's like, you know, that there's a lot without day of the dead. It's, it's safe to say there might not be a walking dead. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, walking dead, obviously the show is, is, uh, you know, coming from the graphic novels, the comics, which, yeah, I mean, I gotta think that those, you know, the creators of that Kirkman and, those guys obviously heavily influenced by uh, by Romero, even though maybe they don't want to take uh, they don't want to say that as much. But for sure, I mean, George Romero, as we talked about before, like changed the idea of the zombie. Before that, they were just like kind of again, as we talked about, just catatonic, like you know, slaves, and and he took it to a different level. So i mean think about all the stuff that's spawned from the zombie oh yeah i mean and it's you got to get the doors right yeah what without a doubt and like i said the characters i think is are, are always what sticks out in george's films more than anything and then you mix in the story in there and just this story like in my eyes if i'm gonna give you my hot take on explanation plot layout of day of the dead you're in a apocalyptic zombie world with where zombies outnumber people 400,000 to 1. There are few live non-corpse or non-reanimated corpses walking around. So everyone's on edge. There's a military ensemble in this bunker. Uh trying to figure out with a group of scientists small group of scientists um how to overcome this or if there's some kind of cure 
or if there's some way for them to figure something out scientifically to make it through this. Now, all the while, you know, people are losing their mind. People are trying to hold hold it together for everyone else, and they're trying to keep the peace between the the brilliant minds that could possibly help uh, help humanity survive this and the people who are the the brute enforcers of the zombie apocalypse which is Rhodes and his and his and his unit right and it is it becomes a war between the living more so with the 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 war on the dead just being a backdrop to it and that is like the whole thing with like a lot of zombie you know, post-apocalyptic zombie fucking films or whatever now, especially Walking Dead, it goes without saying. But I think my big thing in this film is how villainize the Watchers, us, how we villainize Captain Rhodes when I don't think he, she's been... I think the character of Rhodes has been unfairly criticized. I think he's been... I think the character has been... Uh, I guess sensationalized in a negative way of saying like, this guy's a fucking asshole. He's a fucking jerk. This motherfucker. I hope the zombies eat him. Fuck this asshole. Mind you, this guy has the weight of the in- the rest of humanity that he knows that he can see. The people he knows for sure are alive, are in this bunker, and he's kind of at the helm to hold this all together. Meanwhile, one of his guys gets tagged by a zombie, and then he finds out that Frankenstein, the the doctor, who they, they affectionately call Frankenstein, right. <laughs> which always just cracked me up. It, it always just uh, it, it always just made me laugh. Uh, I, I don't know why, but yeah, his name's uh, uh, Logan, and uh, he passed away in 2000, Richard Liberty, who played... Uh, who played the scientist that they referred to as uh, Frankenstein. But, uh, you know, Frankenstein's obviously, he's went a little, has he not went a little rogue? Like, he's went a little rogue and took on, like, his own thought process of, like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna train these zombies and reward them, which is a good idea in theory, and I think that was probably the quickest and most viable thing you probably could have gotten to at that point, especially considering the the state of the world at that point. But you got to understand Rhodes is losing men. He finds out that one of the men that got bit has been being is is getting tested on and he go and they discover that, you know, is you know, they see his he's been just testing on one of their guys and the weight of humanity it falls on Rhodes to keep it together. And guess what? When a zombie apocalypse happens, I would rather have someone like Rhodes in charge than anyone else in this movie. So, so you're saying that the pressure has just gone to him. That's what's crazy. Because he does do some fucked up shit. I mean, he threatens to shoot what's-her-name there for leaving the meeting. And I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying he's not without flaw. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not justifying all his actions. I, you know, what's really interesting is like what I like about the. Well, I mean, I always like think about like his backstory. Like, what? 
like you know like what i don't know he just seems like because when you when the movie starts i mean when you when you're first introduced to him he's already like you said he's already guns blazing he's already pissed oh, yeah. off and angry but it's interesting to think about like the backstory how they got there i mean they kind of talk about why they're there they're, you know it's they're there to protect this operation of their experiments but like yeah he's so crazy he's he's such a he plays such a good villain like, i mean i know you're saying like not to look at him as the villain but he, he you know joe Plata played that role so great and i think like you said a lot of people as soon as they're introduced to him just automatically hate him and and you notice the line that's drawn between the scientists and and uh that that type and then all the military people you know right it's an interesting dynamic and i think like and that's the thing too like you don't know how long it's going to be before a big outbreak of these things like before they break out of like the little corrals that they're keeping them in and shit before something happens. So I understand Rhodes is, uh, when he's like, we're running out of food. We're running out of goddamn men here. When he freaks out and he goes, I'm running this monkey farm Frankenstein. And I want to know what the fuck you're doing. I understand that. I feel that like he's losing his fucking, he's losing his friends. Meanwhile, this Frankenstein's, what would you do with them? Like this, this fucking science. Like, figure fucking something out, or I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna wax you. Like I total, I'm on Rhodes' side. Yes, he's not without flaw. He's not without fault. But you're gonna have that. You can't be. No, you can't expect a human to not to to be perfect during a zombie apocalypse. Sean, what say you? About what? <laughs> I mean this in the nicest way. I 100% knew that, I mean, not that you haven't talked about it before, but you definitely are, are a Rhodes guy. You would be a Rhodes guy. I'm talking to you, Jesse. Yeah. He's your style. I Yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I just, I under, I think I, and like you said, you brought up a good point, Eric. Like, what has Rhodes been through? What's his backstory right now? Where What has he been through that's pushed him to this point? He might have, yes, always had those prickish tendencies, but, like, what's happened to him? He's probably lost some really close friends. Did he lose family members to this zombie outbreak? You know what I mean? What's yeah. what's going on where this guy is trying to hold together what's left of the human race and, and yeah. people are holding him to a standard to be perfect and be like, well, let's hear everyone out and do this. And do, you don't, you can't have those leaders in times like this. You're hundred percent right. And I did notice like another thing, like all the other military guys for the most part are joking around, telling jokes, mostly about their peens. But, uh, he kind of just, he stays in that mindset the entire film. Like he's never not that guy. Yeah. He's never like trying to take the, that's the thing. Like all those other guys, you could tell, you can tell he's the only leader amongst them. So if he was not leading them and he was just telling dick jokes like the rest of them, like what, what, where would they be right now? Like, they're probably all dead. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think, I and I think it's not to say that Rhodes doesn't have despicable tendencies, but the truth is. We all do. We just don't show him. Now, he's open. 
because there's nothing else left to lose. He ain't got to hide anything. Now, everyone else might be a softer, gentler, more be you might they might be more accepting by uh, of the audience to accept uh, for the audience to accept them. But who who's gonna save you, Miguel? Is Miguel gonna save you? Like, come on! Like this is this is. I think it's. I think it really. I mean, it boils down to like what happens currently in current day with how life is. Like we judge. I think we judge people without understanding maybe the pressures they're under, maybe the things that have happened in their past. And write them off as assholes. I do it probably more than anybody. I'll write someone off. Yeah, fuck that guy. He's a fucking asshole. I'm done with him. Write him right the fuck off. Write him right out of the fucking... Right out of the next novel. Fuck him. But... uh, But... We're not in a post-apocalyptic world. We're living in 2020. Just post-pandemic. But... um, But yeah, I mean, I think it... And I would love, to, I wish, I wish to God fucking Romero was still alive because that's what I would try to pitch this. If we were going to meet him for a third time, if, if George was still alive, this is what I would have pitched to George. Like I would have pitched it and I would love to have heard George's take on where he sits with someone like Rhodes now. Yeah. Like you mean like what like his backstory or like yeah you just mean like, yeah like like where did, does he yeah. under could, like could Romero in hindsight because I think when Romero made the film like and I've heard him talk about like the Rhodes character before like he's crazy the guy's you know he's obviously unhinged and like uh, you know but like I wonder in hindsight if George could be like I understand why he was as crazy and as prickish. And as like hostile, and as like um, just like short triggered and short fused, and like seemingly like about ready to just kill everyone. Like, I mean, how would anybody react in in this kind of world? Like, I would be interested if George had like a change of heart on the character, or would have some kind of insight as to like where he sits with someone like Rhodes now. Is what I guess I was trying to say. But where do you guys sit with the characters? Like, were there characters that stood out to you that you really like? That you really liked, even if it's something as simple as like Steel and what was the, I don't even know what the fucking laughing man's uh, name was. That guy with that fucking hilarious over the top fucking laugh. Yeah, uh, I can't think of his character's name either, but. Rickles, Rickles, what a name, Ralph, uh, Ralph, uh, Mariero, Mariero, died in 1991, Jesus Christ, died in 1991 of 30, at 30, age 32, Jeez. 19, Jeez, he looked like 45 in that film, yeah, he looked like he had fucking been through two divorce, fucking worked at three, three different, uh, three different positions at Grey Syracuse, like, <laughs> and he died in, uh, accident there you go at 32 so he was five six seven so he was fucking 25 he looked jesus christ he looked like he was fucking yeah like you said he looked like he was 45 what a name for that character though rickles he looked he looked and sounded like someone named rickles i know right i mean when it comes to characters for me in the film like obviously Rhodes, like this is a great villain and he I mean, Pilato, like, nailed that character, and it really stands out in the grand scheme of all of Romero's flicks. Like, 
he might be like the best villain actually in all the you know not that there's a tremendous amount of villains other than the zombies but he's by far takes the cake i always like the character of dr frankenstein though i thought it was he was really cool almost like the 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 fucking mad scientist you know what i mean yeah really like that was was a cool different element to throw into a, a zombie film like this you know yeah, I feel like it had like a really cool vibe to it. Like a not, I don't want to use whimsical really. It's not whimsical, but just like, yeah, like you know, the doctor, the mad scientist, Doctor Frankenstein, doing all this fucked up. I mean, we find out he does really fucked up shit. He's trying to get Bub going, which I know we're going to talk about Bub some, but he's you know killing people and and feeding them and and uh, that's just it was an interesting. It was really cool. Like I love how also the guy was just coated in blood the entire movie. You could just tell he's a little off. Oh yeah. Uh, but Sherman Howard playing Bub, yeah, this is, talk about the guy that brought zombies to life, like, and gave, you know, you saw it, I guess, like, in Night of the Living Dead, you saw that they were just kind of, like, zoned out, like, creatures, you didn't see a lot of humanity left in them, and then you saw some in Dawn of the Dead when they would talk about it. Like, why'd they come back to the mall? It's probably what they remember. And, you know, there's the kid with, like, the baseball, like, jersey on that is, like, against the window that Galen Ross is looking at in Day of the De- or in Dawn of the Dead. And you see when, like, Roger turns and kind of, like, gives that, like, horrified look. Like, do you think Roger, like, is still in there somewhere and realizes what he's become? And that's why he has that horrified look. Um... But then you get this tenfold over when you have Bub, someone that I think can recognize, obviously, that he maybe can't fully understand that he's undead, but can understand that he he remembers part of his past life where he's they're trying to show him how to shave. He remembers that he's a soldier like this is the first time we saw humanity come through the undead too in a zombie film like this. This movie broke so many boundaries and open the floodgates for the zombie genre to continue and to grow and for people to innovate, be it in special effects, be it in character development, be it in setting development. I mean, it opened the floodgates and gave so many great ideas. I mean, where do you guys sit with this? I mean, this has to be when, as I'm saying it now, I personally have to say, aside from, like, I know Night of the Living Dead is the, like, the benchmark. It's my second favorite film of all time. Lost Boys being the first, Night of the Living Dead being number two. And, uh, and so that's how important Night of the Living Dead t- to me is, or is to me. Dawn of the Dead, and I know is, is both of your favorite film, uh, films from Romero, right? It was my second favorite. Number yeah, same with me. I put Night at one. You put Night at one. Sean, you had Creep Show at one, right? Yes. Okay, so, so we can all agree that Dawn is like probably the fan favorite of the Romero Dead films. But do we think now that Day of the Dead, giving all the things that I that we just discussed or, or that I just babbled about and and kind of like went through and, and just broke down. Do you guys think this movie is still kind of a little underrated for what it did for zombies and the horror genre? No, I think it's actually kind of pretty extremely uh, underrated because, like, not people talk about this one. They always strictly go straight to, like, Night or uh, Dawn. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, just rewatching it, like, I mean, it really is, like, it's such a great flick. Like, everything we talked about, everything that you talked about, like, 
how it definitely pushes the limits of the of a zombie. I know that sounds stupid, but like you know, with the with the stuff with the bub and everything, Doctor Frankenstein was doing. The, the no, testing. for sure. But added a, added a whole new element to it, and then like the special effects, like I said, is like a this this film is a masterpiece. It still holds up very well to this day. Um, and yeah, for sure. I mean, I think when it comes to Romero films, I think it definitely takes a backseat to uh to night and dawn um and it's unfair it's unfair but they're all so great that it's tough but you know i think like if it makes sense like night of the living dead when night of the living dead came out like it was obviously groundbreaking and nobody had seen anything like it right i I obviously love dawn and dawn's arguably one of my favorite films of all time um but I, i would say that day has the same uh like shine to it where really he you could tell george is trying to push push it and not just make it kind of like a mindless film you know what i mean right like, right a bunch of elements to it um with the with the testing and kind of trying to show the human side of of a zombie and and, and then like you said having the care having the audience connect and root for a zombie like i'm sure if we were to go see a screening of this film and and when Bub shoots Rhodes, like I'm sure people would legit celebrate. You know what I mean? So right, right. Um, such a great, such a great film. Didn't we? Did, correct me if I'm wrong, and I believe I'm right. Didn't we see this at the Palace Theater like a couple hollow, like probably ten Halloweens ago, and then went to that uh, that party at Ashley and Dree's like uncle's bar afterwards? Didn't we see this in Gates of Hell? Didn't they play those as a double feature at the oh. Palace? Yeah, I remember. I remember going to that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, because wasn't like Dre and like Ashley dressed like Bert and Ernie. Yes, you got it. And I'll tell you what, right now, this movie. Every time I watch it, it does something different to me. And when I say different, I mean the same different each time. I I just like kind of sit in awe. And then John Harrison with the score, the synth like creepy score, like the the score on top of it, like. This film, I really do think, does not get like the kind of like credit that it deserves, and I think because people just jump to Dawn so quickly, because Dawn is so great. When you when you have, I mean, it's it's I don't know, I don't know. It, maybe it's the Scotty Pippen to to Michael Jordan. If Dawn's no, Michael I, I, Michael Jordan, no, I completely agree with what you said because I remember when Brian showed me this, like when we were in middle school. I was like, yeah, it's not Dawn of the Dead. Like, I remember, like, that was my first right. reaction. But, like, like I said, the older I was getting, the more I kept on watching, I'm all like, if I can go back in time and beat the shit out of that redhead fuck, that's all I would. We're not appreciating the Day of the Dead more often. Yeah, it's, it took me, I was like, what redheaded fuck he was talking about? And I was like, oh, he's talking about himself, because he had the fire red hair. He was talking about mushroom shell, mushroom head. <laughs> Yes, I, I was a maggot back then. Wayne, Wayne, static, Sean. Hey, you're still a maggot. I saw the funniest thing. I went to Wawa today. This is really off topic. I saw this guy. He probably was in like his sixties. He's wearing a Knotfest shirt. I thought it was hilarious. Hell yeah! I hope he really went. I hope that guy really went to Knotfest. I would love to go to Knotfest. Well, I think this guy went. So, um, I'll tell you what though. This there is. And it, it it like you said too at the beginning of this, Eric. Uh, I think there's comedic elements to this that it wasn't meant to be comedic, but it was like 
it was like uh funny and maybe it was like I don't know. It, there was just some like there was a, like a weird like odd offbeat comical charm about it at times too. Say hello to Aunt Alicia like that shit. I still fucking die every time. Yeah, I mean, this film. Yeah, there's just so much, especially like the banter between like uh, Steel and what did we say his name was um, Laughing Man there, like Rickles. Like you, as soon as you get there, like you get introduced to this all that their banter and like the one liners, and then like I said, everything that Rhodes says, even though he's taking it in the most serious way, is like you can't not laugh at us. I mean, he was quoting the stuff when he was walking down the street, which I know you're going to talk about when we uh, went to uh, Saturday Nightmares and saw him. Uh, so obviously it stuck with him, those lines. I, I think because we were, we were so, and I no, Sean, I know you were absent, but um, we were so, I think, jacked to meet Romero that we were just like so dead focused on meeting Romero that we didn't take, the proper amount of time and care to be like, Hey, these guys might not be at another convention. You don't think like that too, especially back then in 2010, Gary Clark or Howard Clark never did a convention that we went to again. Um, I think Sherman Howard was there. Never did another, never did a convention that we went to. I think Amplaz was there. I think Amplaz has done a couple Joe Pilato, the only convention I've been to that he was at was that Saturday Nightmares. And I think we've told this story on the podcast before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's so great. Joe Pilato was rolling around in like some, like, uh, I don't even know, like some docker, like gray docker pants or something like that. And a silk tank top, almost like a stringer almost, with a, with a, with a blazer. It was like royal blue as well as tank top. Yeah, yeah. And and then with a blazer over it, aviators on, hair slicked back, drink in hand, walking down the where the line is to go into this like I don't even know. What was it? It was like a hotel kinda, of, but like what was it? It was an old uh, Lowe's theater, actually. Okay, it was an old theater, yeah, because like yeah, at the top yeah. balcony is where Adrian Barbeau and Romero and Flyboy and and um and Foray were sitting. Yeah, Foray, yeah. And we literally, like, went up the spot. We waited in line going up a spiral staircase. Remember that? Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, we, so we're sitting outside in the crypt. They have a ticket booth out front because, yes, that's right, because it's an old theater. And they had the Crypt Keeper, like, doll, like a full-size Crypt Keeper doll in the ticket booth. And Pilato's just, like, I don't think anybody realized it was Joe Pilato. Until, like, it took us a second to realize, we're like, holy fuck, that's Joe Pilato. I definitely didn't realize it, that's for sure, because we were just standing in line. I think BT said it, hey, I think that's Joe Pilato. We were in, like, Jersey City, and it was kind of a weird area a little bit, so I I just thought it was some, and we weren't really paying attention to what he looked like, we just saw this guy roll up, I'm like, this guy's fucking nuts. He walks up to the Crypt Keeper and goes... He goes, hey, honey, how you doing, ma'am? Choke on him, pus fox. And fucking just sipping like I, what I can only imagine to be cognac. Um, <laughs> Just walking around. And we were like finishing. We were like wrapping up and looking at vendors and stuff towards the end of the con. 
And Pilato's just like, in hindsight now too, RIP Joe Pilato, because I wish we would have met him now because I just feel like a fucking worthless piece of shit not meeting him. Um, But he literally had like shirts too. If you remember, he had the shirts that said choke on him, pus fucks on the back. Yeah, I mean, I really regret, you know. And he, I, that's, I regret not meeting meeting a lot of people there. Him, 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 one of them for sure. Yeah, it was. I just, regret not going with you guys at all. Yeah, it was because I think the next week, Sean, we went to Monster Mania, and that's where, which we were talking about today, which was the first time we met Bill Mosley. We met fucking Dario Argento. Sean met Scout Taylor Compton for like the fourth time. Yeesh. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really unfortunate that uh, Pilato's no longer with us because I he was just so fucking brilliant in the film. Um, and R.I.P. to Gary Howard Clark, who passed away, like I said last year. Uh, fucking Rickles, fucking kicking the bucket in '91, which is fucking kind of crazy. I didn't even realize that. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, I mean, this is a fucking film, man. This is. And I hope people just keep going back and discovering it. And, you know, once I meet someone, I don't really ever have the urge to go back and meet him. I did have the urge to go back and meet Romero. We all met Romero again. But with um, Savini, too, when Savini did that Monster Mania drive-in last year and they showed Creep showing from dusk till dawn, um, I had to bring a, a Day of the Dead... Uh, 11 by 17 uh, VHS promo poster to get signed because uh, I love the film so much and I love Savini's work on it. I love everybody's work on this film because it's just so, it's so good and it's just, I mean, and before we kind of get our final thoughts on it, I am going to, BT did send a little, uh, his thoughts on the film and where he sits with it. So, read it. So, this is what Mr. Brian C. Tyler had to say regarding Day of the Dead. He said, Day of the Dead gets better every time I watch it. Sarah, John, and McDermott are the, are the most relatable characters in any zombie movie ever. We don't even have zombies now. <laughs> I don't know why that was funny to me. We don't even have zombies now. But I already want to just we I already want to just go to an island and hang out until I die there. Captain Rhodes is a piece of shit. But man, he's fun to watch. Miguel, on the other hand, all those military guys were annoying as hell. But Miguel was definitely the worst. The special effects are the best in the series by far. And Bub is such a delight. Period. Well said, BT. Well said. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's something about this film. I think that it just, uh, and I know I'm in the minority where I'm like, I think about like roads. I think about like, is it? Are we criticizing roads because we were like, oh my god, that's disgusting. I can't believe he acts that way. But I think the way he reacts is the way, I mean, they, they really did show how different people would react. I feel like you have the guys that would just kind of laugh and f play follow the leader to the more aggressive A-type personality who's 
trying to hold it together and getting crushed by the pressure of it all. You'd have the people that think they're doing the right thing, but won't try to understand other points of view either. And then you have like the scientist off in his fucking marble uh, composition notebook. Uh, where would you put them? Uh, just doing his own thing and trying to test his own things and say hello to Aunt Alicia. And Miguel, who's I don't fucking care, like just losing his fucking mind. And uh, and then on top of it all, you got you got fucking John going. This place is one big tomb, great big tombstone. Like it's it's such a wild film, and it has so many different personalities in it, and I I love them all. That's a great way to put it, though, where you just said personalities. And, and it is realistic because you get different people together in that type of situation. That's exactly what it's going to be. People are going to react completely different. And it's, you know, different personalities. And I think that's what kind of dri- that's another driving force of this movie is uh, how drastically different a lot of them are. And Bub, who, the zombie we root for, the first zombie probably anyone ever rooted for. Yeah, maybe first and uh, could be only for all we know at this point. And where does this, where does the like this sit with uh, you guys? Like now, after rewatching it again recently, we did our Romero top ten lists, and and you know, does this? I mean, is this kind of like the? I mean, if you if someone had never seen a zombie movie ever. I would probably send him to this. I wouldn't send him to Night of the Living Dead right away. I would send him... If someone said, I don't know anything about zombies, I wouldn't send him right to Night of the Living Dead because there's some things that grew after Night of the Living Dead that developed the American... The I'll, I'm going to say it because I don't give a fuck uh, because America did it the best when it came to zombie films because George did the best zombie films there ever was and ever will be and fuck anyone from Italy. Um, and I love those Italian films too. I'm just being half serious, but with all the mythology that grew of zombies eating people and, you know, at at points getting smarter and then, you know, just overtaking him and having the classic slow zombie, I would send them to this movie because this movie is where they hit the like peak zombie where it's everything about zombie lore that you think you know, and then a little more. So I wouldn't send them... If someone had never seen a zombie film ever and was just like, well, explain zombies to me me in one movie, I would send them to this. That's an interesting interesting thought. I mean, I agree with you, actually. I think I would send them to either this or or Dawn before I send them to Night of the Living Dead. And maybe this one even more because like we like we talked about you were they explain the they try to explain like the psyche and look deeper into the zombie you know what happens when you become a zombie and what can happen afterwards so i mean i think that gets talked about in this and explored in this one a lot more than any of the other so that's uh that's an interesting take i like that i also want to say i think sean fell asleep yeah i'm I'm sure maybe 15 minutes ago I didn't fall asleep. I'm still alive and kicking. So what's your what's your final uh thoughts on 
Day of the Dead, where it sits with you now, Sean, where it's, you know, what's the future like hold for in, in 40 years? How are people going to look back on this? You Do you think? Yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. as like one of the top five greatest zombie films ever made. Like, you know, like I said, the older I get, the more I appreciate it. Um, and like, like you said earlier, like when you show them, you know, people asking about like what zombie films to watch, like it still blows my mind that like, People are like, oh, I'm a fan of zombie films. And I'm like, oh, but have you seen, like, the original Dead trilogy? And people are like, no. Like, they stick with, like, you know, The Walking Dead. Right, right. Like, you know, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Which, don't get me wrong, I enjoy the remake. But, like, go to the roots. Like, what the fuck are you doing? What about the Day of the Dead sequel? No, I've never seen that. It's terrible. And I tried watching the show. I am going to try to power through the show. I had like 10 minutes left of the first episode of the brand new Day of the Dead series that's on sci-fi. So this is this is very relevant that, we're to, that we finally decided to cover this film. And, and I actually did talk a lot about the Day of the Dead in the very first episode where I just talked about George Romero. I actually talked about Day of the Dead a lot in that film, uh, or in that episode, uh, which was the very first episode of the Hard Guy Media podcast, which is now the Sight and Sound podcast, but presented by Hard Guy Media. But... Um, yeah, this um, it's it, it blows my mind that like there's still that like uh, there's people that are like oh I love zombie f- I love zombies I love this I love that and they've really their extent doesn't reach back to like the most important ones and I think that those people are doing themselves as zombie fans a disservice by not going back and finding those. Hopefully they do, and if they don't, they'll be laughed at when they say, oh, zombies are my favorite. Well, have you seen George Romero's 1985 Day of the Dead? No. You kind of lose all credibility at that point. Yeah, seriously, because like, it does have, like, one, like you said, like you said earlier, like has, like, the best feel, the, uh, you know, the gore is top-notch, especially, like, the first, like, five minutes, like, when the opening shot where, like, the zombie with his tongue hanging out of his mouth. And it, yeah, exactly. Like, that's just like an iconic, it's an iconic thing. And that's something George had in those movies. Um, the original Night of the Living Dead, he had, like, so many iconic zombie shots. Like, it's probably the Kara Shawn, uh, uh, with the garden tool is one of the most, is the iconic shot from there. And then Dawn of the Dead... There's like, I mean, there's like fucking six different like iconic zombie shots in that movie. And then this one, like you have Bub, you have the zombie that's like leans over and his guts spill out. You have the zombies tearing roads apart at the end. You have, uh, uh, you have a, uh, just so, so many and it's. He just, I don't know, it's just, it, it kind of blows my mind that um, that there could be people out there that claim to be zombie fans. I guess the only thing I could relate it to is being like, I'm a diehard metal fan, I love metal, I live and breathe heavy metal, but you've never listened to Black Sabbath. But you listen to Five Finger Death Punch. Right, right. but like you like you haven't, like, you can even dislike Black Sabbath as a metal fan. I, I think that's sacrilege and it's insanity, but... Even if you just listen to it, be like, yeah, I listen to it. It's not for me. I can understand that from a new age fan. If they're like, I watched 1985 Day of the Dead. I respect what it did. I respect the effects. I respect like possible character development. But it's not for me. I would get that. 
But it blows my mind that there could be people out there claiming to be zombie fans that haven't seen some of the original George Romero Day or Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead. That kind of blows my mind. But I think the people that truly live and breathe the genre and love and appreciate zombies, especially the American, uh, the Americanized zombie. Um, I think those are the people that know and, and that, that count, honestly, they're not just like, Oh yeah, I saw warm bodies, zombie land, world war Z and walking dead. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's a thing where they just haven't, maybe if they're younger and they haven't been able to explore deeper, but yeah, I mean, if you're trying to talk, talk like you're like some sort of, an elitist zombie fan and you haven't seen George Romero's movies, any of them, then yeah, you might as well just leave. You might as well just stop. I, or, I, I mean, but, I want to, if there's those young kids out there that love zombie films and have not discovered like day of the dead, I want to somehow connect with these fucking kids and be like, here, I literally go buy 40 fucking copies of day of the dead. And like, all you have to do is message me and tell me you've never seen it before. And I'll mail you a fucking copy of it. Which is funny because like you don't have to because it's on Shutter. Like get yourself a Shutter. Yeah, stops. just get yourself a Shutter subscription and fucking check it out. Yeah, there you go. But as we said, as we always say here, it's better to own it forever than just oh, yeah, stream that's it. That's why you get the physical copy. That's right. So closing thoughts, gentlemen, on Day of the Dead. I've I've talked it right to death. I think it's the most important zombie film in my eyes. Right behind Night of the Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead obviously started all, again, respecting our roots. And I would say this would be the next in line for me. But where does... Give me a quick little wrap-up on uh, where it truly sits with you guys. Or like a, even a quick a quick sentence of like... To, to put a, a period on your thoughts on Day of the Dead. No, I'm saying it's, it's definitely one of the top-tier zombie films. Uh you know, go watch it. Check it out. <laughs> yes, it is. It is, in my opinion, there's pretty much three zombie movies that are all time, and they're just happen to be George Romero movies. Um, and they're his first three movies. And I think if you're a fan of horror, a fan of zombies, uh, if you've never seen it, definitely see it. I mean, this, this, I really like, just like Jesse said, like this movie is amazing. And it really pushes the limits of uh, of that genre, even the subgenre of zombies in horror. And uh, it's one of the greatest. And then, like, it is a masterpiece of special effects. Um, so, yeah. Truly, truly, without a doubt. And uh, if you li- if you watch it and you like the score, they are not a sponsor of this podcast, but we'd gladly accept it. Uh, check out waxworkrecords.com. They have the score. That they re that they you know repressed or re-released with new artwork and a new mix on colored vinyl. They just did another pressing of it after they pressed it. I think once or twice before uh, on a cool little I think a zombie flesh colorway and then like a blood guts colorway. It's a double vinyl. Um, they currently have it in stock for I think forty dollars. So do yourself a favor, go check that out. John Harrison's score to this film is amazing uh, for anybody that's a synth lover. And just loves that spooky vibe in the synth zombie world that this uh, provided from Mr. John Harrison. And, uh, yeah, that I just had to put that in there because I love this score. I love it. John Harrison did amazing. And George Romero wrote some liner notes, as did John Harrison in 2013, regarding the score for Day of the Dead that is in that release. So 
check that out. Uh, Viva La George, George Forever, George Romero, uh, legit king, as we say here. One of our our masters of horror. R.I.P. Uh, we love George and fuck, we love Day of the Dead and and if anybody wants to fucking talk Day of the Dead ever, comment on these fucking posts forever and I'll comment always and I'll fucking talk about this movie incessantly. Viva La Rhodes, Viva La Romero, Viva La Day of the Dead, Viva La Horror, Viva La Zombies. And, uh, yeah, this has been the Heart God Media Presented Sight and Sound Podcast. Check us out on Spotify and iTunes or wherever the fuck. Download us there. Instagram and Twitter at Heart God Media. We'll see you. This ain't a goddamn field trip, people. This is a fucking war! I'm not down in this cave for my health. I'm down here on orders. Who's being subjected to what, Fisher? You've lost one man. We've lost five. Where does it say we gotta keep those dumb fucks next door to where we sleep? Where does it say we should do any one thing but shoot the mothers in the head? You were supposed to be here at 7 o'clock sharp, mister. Listen, egghead, let me bring you up to date on what's been... Let me... I'm running this monkey farm now, Frankenstein, and I want to know what the fuck you're doing with my time! Because if we're just jerking off here... I'm going to have my men blow the piss out of those precious specimens of yours. And we're going to get the hell out of here and leave you and your highfalutin asshole friends to rot in this stinking sewer. Is that food enough for you?